The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. So today we will continue our, in our series, Silver and Gold. And it is important that we assimilate all the things that we have been taught. You know, from the first part of the series, we looked at the foundation. In fact, the first three parts are foundational issues. Before we begin to look at the principles of silver and gold from next week, we, we need to imbibe a couple of things. They need to be second nature. In fact, they need to be first nature with us. And we looked at silver and gold I have known in, in part two of the series. Today, by the grace of God, we will be looking at the silver is mine and the gold is mine. And from next week, by the grace of God, we'll be looking at the principles of silver and gold. The principles of silver and gold. Praise the name of the Lord. So we explained from last week, in fact from, I think part one, Deuteronomy 15 from verse 1. God's heart for his people, God's heart for his people is that there should be none that is poor among you. For the Lord your God will greatly bless you in the land is giving you, say amen, amen, as a special possession. However, by the time we get to verse 11, something strange happens. The same God in the same chapter, talking to the same people in the same context, says there will always be some in the land who will be poor. That is why I am commanding you to share freely with the poor and with the Israelites, in the Israelite, the people of the covenant. But there will be some that will be in need. On one hand, he's saying, none should lack, none should be poor. On the other hand, he's saying, there will be some that will be poor. What is God talking about? We explained that. I mean, um, and, and, and the fact is, is, the teaching of God's covenant has not just been resisted. The teaching of God's covenant has always been resisted. They align with God's heart for, for prospering has always been resisted even from back then. So God knows and God knew that there will be some of my people who are the Jews, who are Israelites, who will not align. They are stubborn. They are filled with their own ways. 
They are filled with their own ideas. They are filled with how life should be run. God says, well, they will always be in lack. But you, that you will prosper in God's very house, take care of them. You see, as much as some things are coded in the covenant, they are still a matter of choice. There are a whole lot of things about life that's just a matter of choice. It's a matter of choice. God will say, choose this day who you will serve. If you say, serve me, I'm the only one that can really help you. If you serve me, I will do this, I will do that, I will do this. Then you will not say, choose who will you serve. You know what? At the end of the day, when the robber meets the road, everybody has to choose. But all you can do is choose. You can't choose the consequences of your actions. Once you choose, the consequences are set. Praise the name of the Lord. So, as believers, we come into this covenant through the cross of Jesus. We become partakers. We become spiritual Jews through the cross of Calvary. Galatians 3, that we read last week. We put up that scripture, Galatians 3, from verse 13. It says, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law when he was hung on the tree. He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on the tree. Now, verse 14, through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles, that is, I mean, they call us the Gentiles, you know, with the same blessing he promised to who? To Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promise of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, through faith. We can receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So God has blessed us with the same blessing. What blessings? Genesis 13.2 Genesis 13.2 It says, Abraham was very rich in livestock. You will be very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold, in the mighty name of Jesus. On one hand, Genesis 20, 7, on the other hand, it says, now return to the woman, return the woman to her husband. This is God speaking to the king of the Philistines, and he will pray for you, for he is a prophet. Then you will live, but if you don't return her to him, you can be sure of this thing. You and all your people will die. So this is God speaking about Abraham. And he was saying that Abraham was a prophet. So Abraham had the Holy Ghost, if you will. Abraham was spiritual. So Abraham was not only physically wealthy. Abraham was a deeply, deeply spiritual man. He was an anointed man. 
And God is saying, when you come to Christ, you are coming to the fullness of the blessings of Abraham. On one hand, you have physical wealth. On the other hand, you have spiritual, spiritual wealth. Praise the name of the Lord. So today we are um, diving deeper, if you will. And our text is Agai chapter 2. Chapter 8, 2-8, 2-8, no, 8-2, 2-8, yeah. A guy 2-8 says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. Says who? Says who? The Lord of heaven's armies. The silver is mine. The gold is mine. Says the Lord of heaven's armies. You see, the world we are in is driven by money, materialism, and greed. The world we are in is driven by take all you can, can all you can, sit on the can. That is what drives the world. Get all you can for you and your family. Just let every other person rot. In fact, capitalism is, is, is built on that principle of maximum profit at minimum cost. And so we have about 3% of the world having all the, the funds and, you know, 97% of the world just grappling for what is left. Now, if you're a believer and you see what is going on and, and you get into the labor market, for instance, or either by being a professional or being a businessman, you tend to run your life like that also. Why? Because of the onion illustration we gave um, three weeks ago, that the environment you are in affects you. The nurture from tribe affects you. What you surround yourself with affects you. So at the end of the day, you find out that you are just, if you don't step back, and reformat your system, if you will, and install the right operating system, you will be operating with materialism and greed. You will think it is just about how the world does it. And unfortunately, when you get on that lane, you are out of sync with your maker. You are out of sync with God. You are out of sync with with the kingdom, and, and money begin to become what God has not designed it to be. And when money begins to become what God has not designed it to be, the spirit that controls it, called mammon, becomes God. And God has a problem with that. God has a big, huge problem with that. So, God would say to us in Luke 16, verse 13, he says, no one can serve two masters. No one. For you will hate one and love the other. You, you, you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money at the same time. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So, we think that we can chase money. 
then come back and serve God. Or we can juggle the two. God says, no. It's either you serve me and trust that I will provide the money or you serve the money. You cannot have the two together. Why? Because God will determine your behavior and your limit and money will also try to determine your behavior and your limit. And you are the slave of whatever determines your behavior and set your limit. You are, you are the slave of whatever determines your behavior and set your limit. So when, when money is in, you have a chip on your shoulder, there's a problem. When God is in, your behavior changes. When God is your God, your limit is not defined by your bank account. The, the project to take on is not determined by how much money you have. The project to take on is determined by how big the God you serve. <laughs> Hallelujah. So it is so, so, you see, when, when we take on projects and it's like, this is so big. Pastor, where are we going to get the money from? I have a very big God who is always by my side. A very big God by my side. By my. You see, I'm sharing with you what I have, maybe about 15 years ago, I, I stumbled upon. This will change your life. If you build your destiny on your resources, your destiny will be limited. If you build your destiny on your God, your destiny will be unlimited. If you take on things based on your resources, you are consistently going to sell yourself short. And if you take on things based on your God, you are consistently going to be a wonder to the world. People are going to look at you and they're going to look at what you've, uh, God has done through you and they're like, something is missing here. Something is missing here. Something is missing here. I had a meeting with uh, someone that came, some very top person in, 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 in the industry, some in this nation, you know, without giving it away. I came and had there's some issues and says, oh, she said she needed to see me. I, I want to see parts of gospel house. So she came this week and, and, she, and she got to the office and, you know, when she was about to go, she, she confessed. She says that I would never have thought you are the pastor. <laughs> you know, you don't t-shirts and jeans cannot add up to what I'm seeing. And I said to her, ah, you have not seen anything yet. We are going to learn to nations. We are going to... Yeah. Nothing yet. And every time you make any decision based on money, you limit yourself. Every time you make your decision based on your God, you broaden your horizon. Every time you change your behavior based on money or lack of it, you put yourself in the wrong circle. Every time you change your behavior because you have money, 
or you don't have money. You know, someone sent a, um, some, like a joke to me this week. And there was this man that had a diamond. That's it's a joke, okay? <laughs> and a rat came and, and swallowed the diamond. <laughs> what do you do? When a rat swallows your diamond and run away. So the man chased the rat to the dungeon. And when he got to the dungeon, he saw thousands of rats. So when he, he hired a specialist to help him get the diamond. So the specialist got into the dungeon and the man was watching. And about the thousands of rats were in one corner. And there was this lone rat in another corner. So the specialist took his net and catch the lone rat, cut it open and gave the man it's diamond. And the man says, how did you know that that was a rat? And the man says, when fools get rich, they don't mix. <laughs> when fools get rich, they don't mix. When fools get rich, they change their behavior. They begin to work like this. Praise the name of the Lord. When fools get rich, they begin to think everybody else, you know. But unfortunately, you single yourself out for attack. Fortunately. Praise the name of the Lord. Luke 18. There's a story in Luke 18. It's a fantastic story. From verse 18, it says, Once a religious leader asks Jesus this question. Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely, honor your father and your mother. The man replied, I have obeyed all these commandments since I was, I was young. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, there is still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, Come and what? Follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. When Jesus saw this, he said, how hard it is for the rich 
to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Remember, Jesus was just talking about the kingdom of, of God. Those who heard this said, then who in this world can be saved? He replied, what is impossible for people is possible with God. In other words, when you don't trust in your riches and you trust in God, God can give you riches that do not own your soul. President of the Lord. And at the end of the day, you will still be saved. So Peter, you know, Peter, I like Peter, he's a very upfront guy, you know. I mean, some people just follow Jesus, they don't know why. Peter wants to know why. You know, Peter says, Oga, we have left everything, our homes, to follow you. Yes, Jesus replied. And Jesus says, I assure you, and that's, that's, by the time we begin to get to the principles of silver and gold, you understand this. I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brother or sister or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom, remember says the kingdom, will be repaid many times over. Where? When? In this life. In this life. You should be excited about that if you have left anything for God. The people, only people that are not excited are those that have not left anything for God. They've not, they've not sown anything. Nothing sacrificial. You know? In this life, and this eternal life that this man was asking about, guess what? And we'll have that eternal life in the world to come. So it means because the silver is God's and the gold is God's, every seed you have sown that you have not entered the harvest prolongs your life. It's just that scripture. You will receive it when? In this life. Have you received all? You have sown? I haven't. So I said, oh, yeah. If somebody had a vision, they are going to die next week. I said, it's not possible. <laughs> in fact, in case you don't know, anyway, I don't want to, I don't want to digress too much. Keep, yeah, keep that part in this life, yeah, up on, this, on the screen. Jesus said, in this, in this life. And it is so important. Everybody say, in this life. The key to Abraham's greatness was his obedience. If Jesus had said to this guy, go and sell what you have and follow me. Imagine if he had obeyed. We'll, we'll probably be, we, we don't even know his name now. We'll probably be knowing his name, knowing his children's name, because his life will totally transform. And he didn't know what Jesus knew. Because if 
Peter hadn't asked Jesus in this life would not have been known. Do you get it? So when Jesus says, sell everything, Jesus already knew that he was going to get it back in this life and this life eternal that he wants in the life to come. But he didn't. And it's a test. And it's a test. And here's the test. We, we, we talked about it last week. If you think that your future is bleak because you are broke, or you think that your future is bright because you have gold, Mammon is playing a huge trick on you. Mammon is playing tricks on you. When you think that you have a bright future because you, you just, some people, before they come to church, you just check their balance. Check the balance. The one, the Naira, dumb account. They check the accounts in the US, the accounts in the UK. They check their cryptocurrency balances. And they're like, ah, I will praise you. Oh, my Savior. I will praise you forevermore. Same person. Maybe stuff happens. Checks his account. Denial account. Minus 50 naira because they've removed SMS money. <laughs> the, the, uh, the pastor, how do I know? They remove my own too. Uh, you check your dollar account. You check the portfolios. Everything is dry. Cryptocurrency. Bitcoin has no dive. Ethereum, down. Ripple, on fire. Monero, in danger. The same person who wants to come to church is dejected. The same. Who have I offended? What have I done wrong? You see, the problem is you are relying on gold for your security. You should rely on God for your security, not on gold. So when people go through that Period. In this life. Everybody say in this life. You see, and you need to know that God is not against money. God is not against money. God is just about your focus. It's all a focus issue. It's just all a what? A focus issue. God is not against money. Matthew 6, 33. It's clear. In the kingdom, God is never, has never been, will never be against money. God created the store of value, obviously. Matthew 6, 33, he says, but seek first priority, the kingdom of God. Everybody say the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these shall be added unto you. Keep that on the screen also. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all the gold and all the silver shall be added to you. So it is a matter of focus. It's a matter of priority. God says, prioritize the kingdom. Prioritize the kingdom. And all these things shall be added unto you. In other words, you need them. I am going to provide them. So the challenge is this. 
If you do not focus on money and chase God in the fulfillment of your destiny, money will always chase and catch up with you. Living witness. Let me living witness to that. Living witness. Many years ago now, a long time, about about 15 years ago, no, about 12 years ago, between 12 and 10 years ago, I didn't plan for it, so I'm trying to get the exact date. I had a business in the UK. I was I had a business here, and I was also pastoring. And one of the things I used to pride myself in, <laughs> the God is just amazing, was that. I was not collecting a cobble from the church. I prided myself in the fact that I was, I, I'm not collecting a dime from the church. In fact, I was giving. I can't say more than anybody else, but I was giving a lot by the grace of God. And the church was, I mean, doing well. It was an RCCG church back in the day. My father, happy, nothing to complain about. Then one day, I felt God saying to me, "Um, shut down your businesses and focus on the ministry. I said, eh? Number one, obviously I said yes, but I struggled. I must be honest. I have a family to feed. I don't collect any income from the church. I'm not about to start. You said you bless the works of my hand. I, you know. Long story short, if you know me very well, there's only one response. And the response is what? So the final analysis... Yes, I called my wife and I said to her, this is what the Lord is saying to me. You are shutting down all these businesses. You are focusing on the ministry. <laughs> I mean, it was ridiculous church of God. I mean, you had no control over anything. And if the, the, the money that was supposed to come to the pastor, we weren't taking it anyway. We were always giving it out. We always gave it out. All through our stay in RCG, we always gave it out. So she said, you, how are we going to... She says, are you sure? Are you sure? I said to her, look at me, look at me. Look at my eyeballs. I said, as sure as I know that my name is Febe Monet, this is what God is saying to me. She says, okay. It's good to marry a spiritual woman. <laughs> she says, you marry a carnal woman. Ah. She says, what are you selling? If you want to suffer, it's not me. <laughs> what are you stopping? So I stopped. The businesses. And did not tell a single person that I stopped. In fact, 
some of us here know Pastor Elizabeth. She, she worked with me the closest back in the day. Over a year, Elizabeth did not know that I stopped my business. For over, if Elizabeth doesn't know, nobody else knew. Believe me. Why? Because I'm a living, I can tell you now because I've worked it. How we survived. In fact, we didn't just survive. In fact, we had much more than we had when I was there. I kid you not. But, but, but it didn't happen immediately. It didn't happen immediately. I'll tell you the, how, how the abundance now began to happen. So for what, we were just living step at a time, you know. More like manna. We don't know where the rent was going to come from. We don't, that happened for about one and a half years. Then I got a call from someone we all know, Reverend Colley, called me. And he said, I said, yes, sir. He says, uh, is your wife there? I said, she is. He says, put the phone on speaker. I put the phone on speaker. So, you know, Reverend Colley, where is he? So, is this your honeymoon? <laughs> Fabi, where's your dad? <laughs> okay, <clears throat> cool. <clears throat> So, he says, speak before I speak. So, I put it on speaker. He says to me that, I feel God is saying that you should stop your businesses and focus on the ministry. I started laughing. He says, why are you laughing? He says, God already told me that. He says, so, what did you do? He says, of course, I stopped over a year and a half ago. And he didn't even, I didn't tell him. As close as we were. And he said, so why am I getting this urgency that you should stop, 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 stop. I said, it's not for me, it's for my wife. She was following me, but she was saying, this man is crazy. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't understand where we are going. <laughs> something, is, I, something is wrong with him. But she was being obe- obedient. Obedient. <laughs> so, I think for her, that day, it was not one leg in, one leg out anymore. All those questions of, are you sure, on the way, ended. And our finances, So if you are running without your wife, you'll be living on manna. That's the summary. If you are running with your wife, you'll be living in abundance. It's not in my notes. Okay, <clears throat> so, and the converse is also the case. The converse is also true. And what's the converse? If you do not focus on God and you chase money in the fulfillment of your destiny, you will always be in want of money. Money will always elude you. Always. If you do not focus on God and chase money in the fulfillment of your destiny, money will always elude you. You know, as a pastor, people will come with different business ideas and business proposals and say, oh, pastor, let us sell this to your congregation. At the God to bring a service, we have this product, let us sell it to your congregation. It will sell. And when it sells, you can have X percent. We will give you X percent. In fact, you can collect the revenue, then remit it to us. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. 
And every time, I turn it down. Why? Because we cannot take the trust of the people and monetize it. We cannot. We cannot take the trust of people and monetize it. When you monetize the trust of the people, then you are, you are, you are joking with mammon. You are toying with mammon. We can't. So we always shut it down. We are not for profit in the real sense of it. We are for wealth. And wealth comes from he that said, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. Thank you. Seek first. Everybody say, seek first. The kingdom and its righteousness. In 1 Chronicles 29, we read last week, David knew this intimately. After he had gathered all the resources, all the gold, all the silver, all the mahogany, all the building materials, all to build a temple, to hand it over to his son, David was praying, and one of this part of his prayer, he says, Oh Lord our God, even this material we have gathered to build a temple to honor your holy name came from who? From you. It all belongs to who? It all belongs to you. So when God says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, it's such a categorical statement. It's all, David says, everything we have, everything we have gathered, it all belongs to you. It all belongs to you. You have a son and your son takes part of his pocket money and contributes it, saves it, and buys you a tie. And say, Dad, take this tie. It's Father's Day. Take this tie. But if it's a wise son, it should say, the tie and the money I used to buy it it all belongs to, it really does belong to you. But the point is this, that he can set it aside and bring it to you. We touch your heart as a father, and that is exactly what happens to God. When we take what he is giving to us, and we say to him, it all belongs to you, but you are God, take this time. It belongs to you. It's big, it's huge. So, on one hand, you can say, oh, the boy didn't have to bother, because it's father's resources anyway. Um, they're using Abu's money to entertain Abu. You know, you know that's, uh, <laughs> but you see, when we come to our Father, our God, and we say it all belongs to to you, we touch His heart in a way that can really not be explained. So when we see a story in Luke twelve of the man that God actually called him a fool. We begin to understand that something is actually really wrong with this guy because, the, the, honestly, I must confess, the first few times I read this story, before now, before now, when I read the story, I was like, what did the guy do? I actually didn't see what he did. I was like, ah, 
Are you not supposed to plan for big out after you have a good year? So I'm like, so what has this guy done wrong? The story, Luke 12, 13. It says, there's somebody called, there's someone called from the crowd. Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with us. And Jesus replied, friend, who made me judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what shall I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I will tear down my barns, my barns, and build bigger ones. Then I will have room. You are beginning to see what the problem is. Enough, but he's not proud, though. He's a very humble man. Then I have enough room to store all my wits and other goods. And I we sit back and say to myself, friend, my friend, he talks to himself, Oga, you have enough stored up away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. In just those three verses, 17, 18, 19. There were 10 occurrences to I, me, myself, mine. Seven eyes. One me. One myself. One mine. 10 in three verses. Just me. Just me. Then the God of heaven said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you have worked for? You act, it's legitimately yours. You actually worked for it. Now, this is, so, I, I said I used to struggle with this. Because I'm like, this guy worked for it. I mean, he was planning for it. I mean, so, but you saw what his problem lied. says, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but have, not have a rich relationship with God. So we see the problem when we focus on I, me. Take it back to the um, 17. I, me. It is me. It is I. What should I do? This is what I will do. I will do this. I will do that. I will do this. I will do that. You see, one of the keys to greatness is this. 
is realizing that your destiny is bigger than you. When you realize that your destiny is bigger than you, the huge key to greatness. When you realize that it actually isn't about me. Church is not about me. Church is about the kingdom of God. Church isn't about if I find, found a good seat. Church isn't about if I had a good parking location. Church isn't about if I am sitting under the AC. They want to kill me with cold. <laughs> Church isn't about that man did not greet me or that woman did not greet me. One of the keys to greatness is to, for you to realize that your destiny is bigger, is bigger than you. It's bigger than you. What God wants to do with you and through you is bigger than you. And you see, I have been called to herald this message because things are going to begin to change drastically for good for you in the mighty name of Jesus. You need to buy these CDs and listen to it over and over and over again. So what do I do when God blesses me with more than I planned for? What do I do? What is going on when I plan for a hundred and God brings a million? Here's the key. If when you have more than you planned for, be sure that God has a plan you don't know of. If when you have more than you planned for, be sure that God has a plan you don't know of. If you have more than you planned for, be sure that God has a plan that you don't know of. That's Joe. If you go to verse 21, can you, can you um, bring up verse 21 of that scripture? It says, okay, thank you. It says, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. The person is a fool to stop earthly wealth and not have a rich relationship with God. Why? Because having physical wealth and not having spiritual wealth is a statement of foolishness. Folks think, oh, if I have physical wealth, I'll make a statement. My back is making a statement. My shoe is making a statement. Oh, my eyebrow is making a statement. But you see, the truth is this. <laughs> having physical wealth without having spiritual wealth is simply a statement of what? The statement of foolishness. Purely. So, if you just go for gold and you miss God, it's foolishness of the highest order. 
foolishness of the highest order. And this speaks to, the story of the man speaks to the lesson from Deuteronomy 8, 18. That says to us, remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you what? The ability to produce wealth. The man forgot. He forgot that the ability to produce wealth, to have more than he planned for, came from who? From God. He forgot. He thought it was his intelligence. It was my fertilizer. It was my strategy. It was my seedling. I bought the best quality seed. I created um, 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 a, a perimeter fence around my farm. I had this. There was no rodents could come in. I had drones that could just check the state of my crops. God says, fine. But you see, you could have all those things and still not have a good crop. Do you know that? He says, I give power to get wealth. The ability to produce wealth. Now, this is the underlining, the baseline across this whole teaching. And, and it's this. Why am I doing that? Why would God do that? Why would God give you the power to get wealth? So that I can confirm. And so confirms his word. His covenant which is swore to your ancestors as it is today. So, God giving power to get wealth is to confirm the covenant that he has given. To confirm the covenant that he has given. I'll keep coming back to these diagrams. Keep coming back to these diagrams. Every time. Why? Because it's so key that we get it. Now, we explained that Adam started off there. And man's Failure led to a need for the need for a savior, redemption. So God said, in other words, that I'm going to send my son to come and save mankind. I'm paraphrasing. Now, God always wanted. A people for himself, and through that people, the son of the woman will come and bruise the head of the serpent. So God saw a man, Abraham, and called him at this point and says, I'm calling you out. You have your roots in Adam, but I am calling you out to walk with me. And I will do this, I will do that, I will do this, I will do that. So, we have the Abrahamic covenant. Now, on the way, a long story, centuries passed, just one man became a nation. They came out of Israel. God chose a leader, Moses. On Mount Sinai, 
they said to God, we don't want to deal with you one-on-one. -on -one. You are too terrible for us. You talk to Moses and he will talk to us. And God instituted what we know as the Mosaic Covenant at that point. Now, the Mosaic Covenant is systems of, 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 of civic um, responsibilities, ceremonial laws, and, and all that. And when Jesus came, the Mosaic Covenant was crossed out at the cross. However, as we read in Galatians 3 from verse 13, the Abrahamic Covenant continued past the cross. In fact, Jesus came so that we that are Gentiles can be partakers of this blue line. Praise the name of the Lord. So Jesus came so that the blessings of Abraham can become ours. That was why Jesus came. And it's, it's so important that we understand this. And it is that covenant, because of that covenant, that God gives us the power to get wealth. Praise the name of the Lord. Because otherwise, the Christian can just be filled with the Holy Ghost and be poor. It's possible. You know that? Very possible. Very, very possible. But God says, you are heirs of Abraham. Abraham was physically wealthy and he was spiritually wealthy. And when you look at the blessings of God to Abraham, it was, it is tripartite, if you will. So, we have land, Everybody say land. Seed. Everybody say seed. And the blessing. Everybody say the blessing. It's big. And that is what God has called us to come into. That's what he has brought us into. Okay. So let's keep that up for a little while. So the covenant puts you and I into God's spiritual environment so that we can be a partaker of the blessings of Abraham. Praise the name of the Lord. If you understand this, shout hallelujah. I need us to get this. It's at the heart of everything. It's at the heart of everything. Is what makes us spiritual Jews. And Colossians 1, I'll still keep this up. Scriptures can come up. Colossians 1 13 says, For he, God, rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom. Remember, say the kingdom. The kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. He purchased our freedom. He forgave our sins. Jesus' message was the message of the kingdom. The kingdom. Luke 8.1. The kingdom. The kingdom. The kingdom. Jesus demonstrated the kingdom. 
He spoke about the kingdom. Did you read Luke 8? He spoke about the kingdom. In Luke 11:20, Jesus not only spoke about the kingdom, Jesus practicalized the kingdom. He says that if I cast out demons, in other words, demons are not allowed in the kingdom. If you are a child of God and you are in the kingdom and there are demonic activities, because you are in the kingdom, the demons need to go. Praise the name of the Lord. Hmm. And it's big. So what God is talking about is a kingdom. It's a, a kingdom is like it's a country that has a king. Is it is not a socialist government. It's not a communist government. God is not talking about a democratic government. He's not talking about a dictatorship. He's talking about a kingdom. A kingdom. I was a kingdom. If I, by this finger of God, by I cast out demons, then it means what? It means the kingdom of God as what? As what? As a right. So, if you check Jesus' teachings, it's all about the kingdom. All about the kingdom. So, by definition, quickly, so much. By definition, one of the, one of the guys that I, I have, that really understood the kingdom that I've come across is the late Dr. Miles Morrow. He defined the kingdom as this. A kingdom is a governing influence of a king. I must say a king. A king over his territory, impacting it with his power, his principles, his laws and values, producing a community of citizens, reflecting, that's key, Reflecting the culture and the lifestyle of the king. So the kingdom is managed in a way that the life of the citizens reflects the glory of the king. So if I, by the finger of God, cast out demons, it means what? The kingdom of God has what? Has arrived. Means the kingdom of God has arrived. And every kingdom, every kingdom has a king. Has a territory. Has a language. Has a constitution has a body of laws, has an army. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says who? The God of Evil's armies. <laughs> has a culture 
And as an economy, the silver is mine. And the gold is what? Is mine. So we see it, it is it's key that in a kingdom, the life of the citizens is reflective of the king. So if I, by the finger of God, cast out demons, the kingdom of God has come. So the quality and protection and the culture of your life is a reflection of who is your king. Praise the name of the Lord. It's a reflection of who is your king. Charles, come forward. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, come on. I need a man with muscles. The one that has uh, <coughs> muscles, six packs, not one pack. Big. Any volunteers? Polisher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come, 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 come. Woo, woo. Friday. Okay, Polisher on Friday. <laughs> Yeah, let's laugh for it. Let's laugh for it. Now, now this is big. This is is so important that this illustration is simple, but it's so powerful. Charles, <laughs> okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> Charles is in the kingdom. Because Charles is in the kingdom, his provision is not dependent on him or on his bank account. His provision is dependent on who? His king. So this fine dress he's wearing, who is responsible for it? This one, who is responsible for it? How about this beautiful flower? Who's responsible for it? The shoe, right, shining. Who's responsible for the shoe? The king. Now, now. Let's say Friday grabs one hand like this. Felicia grabs the other hand like this. Let's say that they have come to harass Charles. Now, they have come to harass Charles and Charles stands up and says, I am a Jew. I'm a spiritual Jew. I belong to the kingdom of light and places a demand on his freedom. Guess what? Not him. The king is responsible to say, touch not my anointed. <laughs> the guy don't want to leave up. Leave up now. <laughs> I do my prophets no harm. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, 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 it's so important. It, it, it's, the king says, he that touches you, touches the apple of my eyes. 
Why? Because how he looks and how he fears is a reflection of me. If I am good and if I am great, shows up on him. Thank you guys for the <laughs> Stay for that service. <laughs> so, so the protection and provision, your protection and provision is limited to the resources of your king. That's it. Your protection and provision is limited to the resources of your king. But guess what? Psalm 21, 24 verse 1 says concerning your king that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. He has limited resources. Limited resources. Totally limited resources. He has uh, limitless, sorry, resources. He has totally limitless resources. He has limitless power. He holds the whole world in his hands. He says, I kill and I make a life. I am God all by myself. He looks at us and he looks at his people and he makes this statement. He says, I will shake the heavens. I will shake the earth. And I will bring in the wealth of the nations. Why? Because the silver is mine. And the gold is mine. Says who? The God of the Lord of heaven's armies. In other words, I am able to provide and I'm able to protect. Provision without protection is nothing. So when you look at silver and gold and the one that is releasing them to you says the silver is mine and the gold is mine says the Lord of heaven's armies. What do you have to fear? The, the beauty about God is this. He's not only our king. He's our father. He's not only our king. He's our father. He's our father. If you're a father, you know what I'm saying. It's, it's difficult for you to even think the person that wants to take your children must first kill you, right? That's an honorable death to die. Most fathers will agree. I'm talking about the real fathers, not sperm donors. Most fathers will agree. So the question is, who is your king? Who is your father? Let's bow our heads. Let's bow our hearts as we pray. Can I put our hands together for the Lord, if you will. <laughs> oh, Father, we thank you. Who is your king? Who is your father? My king and father is the one that says, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. You are here, you are like, I cannot confidently say that he is my king. I cannot confidently say that he is my father. Or he used to be my king, but I rebelled. He used to be my father, but I left off. 
Can I come back today, Pastor? Yes, you can. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to. If you are there, you are saying, Pastor, pray with me. Should I come forward? No, you don't need to. Wherever you are seated, I want to pray with you. Put up your hands now over your head and I'll pray with you. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my brother. Keep up your hands. Keep the hands up. God bless you. God bless you. Over there. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, my brother. Keep the hands up. God bless you right there. Keep the hands up. I'm going to slip a, a, a card in your hand. God bless you, my brother. That is me. I cannot say, God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Right there. I cannot say confidently, this is my king and this is my father. As you have the card, they're going to slip a card in your hand. Why don't you talk to God? Say to him, today I surrender to your lordship. Today I surrender to your government. Today I surrender to you. Today. Today I surrender to you. The rest of us, there are things you have seen in your life that are like, oh, oh, no, 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 no. This should not be. I am a Jew. I belong to the kingdom. Why don't you begin to stamp your authority on those, issues, on those areas and begin to call for backup, if you will, from heaven. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for everyone. Thank you for everyone that's surrendering to you. We ask in the name of Jesus that you cleanse them totally and save these ones, my Father. Lord, everything in you that is not in us, Father, let them begin to manifest in our lives. And everything in us that is not in you, let them begin to be uprooted from our lives.